Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Property World. We're talking purchase lease options with Gilly Vallow. Great to have you on the show, Gilly. Lovely to be here again. So, Gilly, um, your uh, your background, uh, you've been a trainer in purchase lease options for um, more than eight years at this stage. Um, you've taken a unusual tact in terms of uh, the... You're focused on primarily on larger deals, um, uh, in the a lot of them in the the one to three million range, um, and larger properties, um, which is a, a different approach. So as opposed to doing 10, 200,000 properties, you're you're doing one two million property, for example. How did you get into lease options? Okay, so it's. Uh, it- it goes back a long way. When I first started in property age 21, I had no ability to get a mortgage, absolutely no money, uh, and actually not an awful lot of support. And I've already spoken about this um, on one of the other podcasts about Africa and how I started off in property. But it goes back to the same place, because back then, without any of those things, you generally that the rule of thumb is you can't do property if you don't have the money if you don't have the experience if you can't get a mortgage well you know the answer is you're not going to do it basically Um, but having come back from Africa with a real desire determination um, to actually get into property I I have to be completely honest actually back then it wasn't because I wanted to become a property entrepreneur it wasn't I didn't even think like that I'd had a dream about disabled children and about a property in the mountains and my attitude was I'm going to do it the question is how now irrespective of whether uh, that was based on starting an investment business up or not my attitude was I'm going to do it the question is how, and, and I always use that as a mantra now, and I try and teach people to have that mantra, because once you've got to the point of saying, well, I'm going to do it, in other words, I'm not going to be stopped, the fun part is working out how. Well, back then in 1989, there were no uh, property courses, um, nobody was teaching options, I mean, they weren't anything that was being done, I mean, commercially they were, but certainly not resident from a residential point of view, and so I literally had to and you get my file of facts out, I had to write down all the figures and I had to say, right, if I can't buy in the standard way, how can I do this? And so the cogs started turning and um, remarkably, I came up with various strategies uh, uh, that I used over the next few years, one of which was an option. Now, obviously, I didn't, I didn't create the option. It's been going for ages, but in my own world, I did because nobody was teaching it. And that's that's how I started doing options, really. 
Uh, and, and, and if someone wanted to uh, find out more about you, what, what's the best place to do it? Uh, various ways. I'm on all social media platforms, so LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. Uh, um, obviously, I'm very happy for people to have my email. It's jilly at jillybarlow.com. Um, so I'm, I'm all... On all and and could we, we, we spell j jilly for the yes, benefit sure, of the listeners? Yeah. G-I-L-L-I-E, so G for George, I-L-L-I-E. And uh, yeah, Facebook, I'm on all the different platforms. It would be lovely to connect with people. And, you know, obviously I want to help people understand this incredible strategy. Okay. And, and why does it work so well, do you think? Well, one of the reasons is it's for everybody. And this is what makes me, I'm absolutely passionate about it. So for the children that have come out of school that have this insane entrepreneurial, you know, th this desire to, to, to grow and learn and expand very, very young in their lives, or um, the elderly who think that they're no longer able to uh, invest wisely in property because of their age, the middle-aged who are struggling because they've just been made redundant and they've got four children and they don't know what they're going to be doing next. But I think also, you know, they state that in 20 years time, there'll be 50 percent less jobs. Well, we know it's a lot sooner than that. Now I've been saying that for ages and that may be the case. It may not be the case. But the point is, what do 20 year olds these days um, educate themselves in if we don't know what jobs are going to be available? Uh, and to a degree, obviously, there'll be some that will remain the same. But for many, there won't. And so purchase these options right now. At, well, forever really, but specifically right now because of the turmoil that's going on in our country, but also in our, um, our world. Um, it's just the most fantastic time. I probably didn't even answer the question properly there. You said, why, you know, why are they so good? They're good because they offer everybody the opportunity, as I just said, but also often there is no money required, but you're but you're also helping people who are up the creek without a paddle. So there are many people with homes, with houses, with property who are literally, literally sinking. They're literally drowning in debt or issues. Now, it's not always debt that causes people to be motivated and wanting to get rid of their properties. There could be many reasons. I could give you 40, but there are you know, they become motivated. And when people are motivated and stress is added to their lives because of the debt or because of the uh, property that they're having to look after when they're in Timbuktu and the house is in, you know, um, Grimsby or something, it causes massive stress. So not only are we offering, you know, an option offers somebody the opportunity to, to create a business that is cash flowing, but it helps the people who are trying to rid of their property to get out of potential issues. So it's, it's twofold. It also is threefold because if we work with agents, which nobody's teaching out there, nobody teaches that, then we're also helping the agents. And so it's, it's got to be like an equilateral triangle where everybody equally is happy with, with, the, with what happens in the deal. Okay. And, and the majority of your, uh, your portfolio were initially acquired through an option route. Yeah, absolutely. An option or uh, some form of creative strategy, but most of them are options, yes. Right. And, and what, what is the definition of a purchase lease option? A definition of a purchase lease option is the option to purchase, but not the obligation. So that is exactly what it means. It means the option to purchase a property, but you don't have to. Okay. 
Okay, so uh, could, could we just like get a, um, uh, could you whistle off uh, five or six examples of yes, deals sure. that you've actually done? Just so, uh, just just the basic in and out uh, of Absolutely. each one. Like what Absolutely. type of property, for example, where it was and uh, what, what was the price and the time frame? Okay, so we've got one that um, I live in now, actually, this was in 1992, where I acquired land and I built a property. And I said to the vendor, I said, if you give me 10 years to pay for it, I will give you three times its value. Had no idea what an option was in terms of the terminology, because nobody was teaching it. Um, I'd already started doing uh, similar things in another country in 1989. But in the UK, the land was the first thing I did on an option because I was building a property, they gave me the full uh, mortgage on the uh, development because they knew the value of the property would be significantly more once it was built. So I didn't need a deposit. Um, and indeed, over the 10 years, it was worth £25,000 and I gave the gentleman 70 over a 10 year period. Uh, so that was uh, one option. Um, another one, uh, the first property I did in the UK actually, uh, was a six bedroom property with a one bedroom annex. Uh, I did it for 304, uh, the, it was on the market for 350. I ended up doing an option for four years um, on 340. Um, four, three years later, the agencies came to me and said, will you sell it? And I said, absolutely not. I'm making 1700 pound profit month. And they said, we think you will when we tell you what its worth value is. So I said, what do you think the value is? This is three years later. And they said 800,000. I said, don't be ridiculous. That's absolutely absurd. And based on what they consider the yield to be because of the money that I was generating, they, they deemed it to be worth that. Now, I don't believe in a million years I'd have got that if I sold it, but I didn't let them have it. And I then obviously purchased it when I, you know, when it came to the end of the option period um, and, and kept it. So that's another one. Another one is um, a, a pub that I got on an option that was on the market for 925,000. I ended up doing an option on it for an awful lot less than that, which isn't the normal case, because normally I would offer what it's on the market for. Uh, I still own that today. I did obviously buy it, um, and that's worth um, between 1.7 and 1.9 million now. Uh, got it for 495,000 at the start. Um, then another one um, is a 12, 13 bed property in Oxford that we got as an option for 840,000 pounds, have just recently purchased it. Actually, it's my son's this one, uh, purchased it at the point that it was worth 1.215 million. So that's just a, a handful of them. I, I could go on, but I don't want to. Um, they're well, all well, should we, should we uh, drop into a, a bit more detail around uh, uh, perhaps two or, or maybe three if we have time? Absolutely. So let's uh, let's start with the um, the Oxford property. Which one? Uh, the, the, the thirteen the thirteen bed. Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, so so how did you come across it? Uh, what was the vendor's situation? Uh, what was your plan at the beginning? And then what happened? And and talk through the detail uh, of the purchase lease option. Okay, so this was a very interesting one. And as I said, actually, this one was my son's. Uh, Josh was 16 years old and was at college in Oxford drumming. 
but he was doing a part-time job at Marks and Spencer's and I obviously teach them to tell everybody what they do. So he was uh, helping a lady shop who needed a bit of help shopping and she'd always asked for him. And he told her one day and she said, please, can you buy the property I live in? I've been there for 16 years. The landlord will put it on the market five, five days ago. So Josh said to her, well, you know, obviously I need his details and I'll go directly to him. And it, obviously it was a direct introduction. You're not going through an agent. So I went with Josh because obviously he was 16 and hadn't done this before. And uh, we looked around the house and the gentleman, fantastic guy called Stephen, um, was, I'm not going to say elderly, but he was just tired of running it. He only lived 20 minutes away, but was very um, diligent, used to come over every Tuesday uh, and was just tired of actually running it and looking after the tenants. So we looked around the property, massive property in Oxford behind five hospitals in a very nice road um in Headington which is a, a prime area of Oxford and we sat down eventually and he and you know Josh turned around and said you know we'd we'd love to talk to you about something a bit different would it be okay and he said yes of course and Josh mentioned the option he said oh I know about options actually because my father used to do them and he turned around and he said but it would only work if you gave me three thousand pounds a month and obviously I taught Josh that you never you know, it's all about the vendor when you're sitting with the vendor. You never go, oh, I don't know about that. It's a bit much. So Josh just turned around and said, I'm sure we can work with that. And absolutely we could. And he was able to give the vendor £3,000. It was on the market for £845,000. And so Josh op offered £845,000 um, over a five-year period, uh, giving him £3,000 a month. Uh, now, he was quite happy with all of that. The only thing he asked was, would it be possible if you paid all the insurance up front? Now, we would always pay the insurance. It would be a normal thing. So Josh said, yes, that's fine. So he borrowed £5,000 off me and paid the insurance up front, which meant the purchase price was now going to be. So Josh turned around, which was quite savvy, because normally we would anyway pay the insurance. He just wanted it up front and said, well, if we're paying it up front, it will have to come off the end price. So Stephen said, yes, that's fine. So instead of 845, it was going to be 840. So yes, he'd got to borrow the money, but it meant that for the full five years, he never paid for the insurance effectively because it came off the price. So in the end, it was 840,000 five years and it was um, uh, giving him 3000 pounds a month. So that option ended last September. So Josh was able to buy it. Now, the, the way that one would hope you could buy it, and this isn't always the case, it depends which banks you're using. And of course, in X many years time, who knows what's gonna happen. But there are certain banks that will allow you on an option if you can prove that the value has gone up. And of course, they only have to send their valuers out, the bank's values out to know that, um, that they will allow you 75% of the new value. So if it all goes smoothly, you would pay, you would not have to find a deposit or indeed a uh, the stamp duty because the value of Josh's property uh, last year was 1.215 million. Well, even if you went to 1.2 million, 75% of that is 900,000, which is the 840 for the purchase, including the 60,000 for the stamp duty. So there's nothing to pay. So, it, you know, I'm not saying it always works like that. You know, they're all different. But if you work it well and you've got, the, you know, a good bank with you at the moment, that is a way that you can sometimes do it. Sometimes you need to fund a little bit of money, but it's always worth doing that if you set off and you buy the place with a £400,000 worth of equity.
again, it's not always that much, but it often can be depending on what you've done during the five years. So the reason, you know, I think it's really important for people to know that property doesn't just go up because of capital appreciation. There are generally three, reason it go, three reasons it goes up. One is capital appreciation, which we can't control. We can hope that it goes up, but we don't absolutely know because it depends on the economy and the market. The second one is if you do a refurb or renovation and you would hope that it would go up in value, but you do have to be careful because there's, there's got to be a margin for error. Too many people I know have done a £30,000 renovation and then have had it valued at the end at the same price that they got it for. So we do have to be careful there. But the third reason, which is the one that we can really control most of the time, is when you generate an income or indeed if you generate a greater income. And during the five years, Josh created a far greater income, which helped the value of the property to go up. And if we can be very careful about how we structure a deal and what we're going to do with it in the meantime, we can try really hard to be sure or as sure as we can that the value will be significantly more than when we take it on. Now, if you're spending money on that property, you've got to be really, really sure that you've got your bases covered because you don't want to get to the end of that period, find out you spent 100,000, but realize that as you decide to walk away, you've only made 80. So you've got to be really, really sure of that. But if you're not spending money on the property, you know, you've got absolutely nothing to lose because you are allowed to walk away. So that's that particular property. Right. And, and you're, you've, you've obviously been um, teaching this for a number of years. What, what got you into uh, the teaching and coaching and um, uh, I suppose, helping people get started? Complete and utter passion. I come from a very different place to the general teachers out there who start off um, it, absolutely as they should, um, starting a business, coaching and training to, to make money. And that's absolutely wonderful and it's brilliant. And some of them may start off with a passion and etc. I'm not trying to create a massive you know, global company. I My passion is to teach people. My passion is to make sure that as many people as possible understand this strategy so that they are able to do it uh, with confidence because it's so simple, believe you me, with confidence, with integrity, using transparency and with enthusiasm, thus giving people the desire to work with them, be they investors, be they agents or be they vendors. And it's all about... And, and, and also empathy, because a lot of these vendors are in, you know, a bit of a pickle, you know, a lot of them up the creek without a paddle for whatever reason. And we want to go out there and we want to help them. And I say to people, if you had a relative ring you up or a best friend or somebody that you cared about a lot and they were in a right two and eight regarding their property, you're not going to sit there on the end of the phone going, great, how can I make money from it? You're going to go, I want to help you. How can I help you? And if everybody went into that, in, you know, in with that attitude to vendors who are in a bit of a pickle or, you know, really struggling for one way or for one reason or another. And if they go in with that attitude, they are so more likely to actually also make money from it because they cared about the vendor first. Now, don't don't get me wrong. You don't go to a property unless you've already worked out. It's a good deal for you. And we're not a charity. We are a business. But we also want to do it ethically. And this is a very, you know, unique strategy um, that people could give a, give a bad name to if they don't do it with integrity. But my, I began teaching because you know, I, I believe there are 
loads of people out there teaching it in a very complicated way, which, which doesn't need to happen. There are people out there insinuating you need loads and loads and loads and loads of training. You don't. Honestly, it takes half an hour to, to uh, you know, uh, understand an option, but it might take a bit longer to understand how you then go on and do it for yourself. And, and that's the key. It's helping people to actually do it for themselves. And that's what I love. I love to hold the hands of people and say, come on, let's just do this. Let, and it, it, it's getting to a place where they have the courage to explain it, really. You know, there are three reasons I believe that people don't do options if they so wish, if they want to do them. One is they don't understand it or they don't understand it enough to be, to, you know, to really, to get it themselves. Two is they then can't find them. And three is once they find them, they say all the wrong, wrong words and people think they're pulling the wool over their eyes and they run off to the hills and hide. Um, but my absolute passion is to help people understand it so they can better their worlds, they can take the pressure off their finances, they can help their children become financially uh, either just financially um, independent and then maybe financially free so that they can go off and live their lives doing what they're passionate about rather than having to find something that pigeonholes them to make money um, for the family they might have one day. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> Very good. So, so uh, maybe uh, uh, what, what would be the next example or case study we could, we could go through? So... We could go through a, a, a quite a simple one, a straightforward one, and that is um, a six-bed HMO with a one-bedroom annex, which was the first house I got on an option, excluding, yeah, because what I'm living in now was actually just land uh, mm -hmm. in this country. Uh, now, that was on the market for £350,000 um, many years ago now. I think it was 2013. And the gentleman that owned it was not not in a dilemma. He had a very small mortgage on it for about £50,000. He'd lived in uh, Farringdon, which isn't far from Oxford, and he was leaving to go to Shropshire. And he'd sold his own home. And uh, he just couldn't sell this. It had been on the market for a year, but he didn't want to leave it in the hands of agents because unfortunately it doesn't always work when you're miles away. And it's like management companies, you get some good ones, you get some that aren't so good and it can fall into disrepair. And he was renting it out to students. And they can, they can quite often go off the boil if um, they expand out too quickly or, or a key staff member leaves and uh, the dynamic in the, the service uh, provided by the agent drops drops right back. Absolutely. And I think because he had students in there, um, back in those days, students weren't getting quite what they get today. And I think many people have learned if you're going to do students, you've got to, you know, have students as your tenants you've got to give them a really good house and then there are guarantors and if they spill ketchup on the carpet then they have to pay for it and it's very very much there's a, a, a it's strict now and, and and I think that students get a lot more but this house was a bit of a dive to be honest and if you give students a dive they're going to make it more of a dive um it was it was just not particularly nice uh and so I basically offered the option to the the estate agent now estate agent now people often say how many times have you been into an estate agent Jilly and they're absolutely staggered when I say zero now of course I've been in there to say hello to the um the people the colleagues that I've now I now work with but I've never ever gone into an estate agent to uh, explain a strategy uh, that is a little bit outside the box and the reason for that is because when you get inside an estate agent the phones will be ringing there'll be 
potentially a bit of banter between the young younger ones. Um, they'll be maybe their boss listening in on a conversation. So they'll be like terrified potentially about what they are going to agree to or not. And you're not getting the full attention because of what's going on of the agent because of what's going on around them. I always say to people, the best thing to do is go and view a property. And even if there are tenants inside, you can always step outside. Uh, but I either do that or I speak on the phone and I, I would never, ever do it unless it was neutral territory. You know, the best place is to meet for a coffee, but that's when they've got to the point of realising they're onto a good thing knowing you. Um, so I we got outside the building and I spoke to Chris uh, on the driveway and I always want to build up rapport with the agents. Agents are brilliant. So for any agents out there listening, you know, you know, I know that for some part you've got a bad name, but you are, agents are just fantastic. And it's about working with them like partners. It's about believing in what they're doing in order to make sure that they get their commissions and they bring you houses that are appropriate. And I really would love people to understand this. So this particular house, I spoke to Chris outside and I talked to him and I explained what an option was very carefully, very slowly. We never rush because that means you're trying to shove something down someone's throat and in a very simple way. And I always say to people, you know, it's all very well saying the vendors need speed and certainty, which is what people are taught. But so do the agents. They can have properties on the market for years and they get a, a sale and then five, five days or a week before it's due to exchange, it falls out of bed. And they're marketing that property. So they want speed and certainty too. So if we can offer them that, it's absolutely fantastic. And he said, yes, I, I just think he might be interested, Gillian. Um, so I said, OK, well, the best thing to move forward would be to have a meeting with him. Please do come along as well. So we met in the property with the vendor. And um, I offered them £350,000, so the asking price. I offered it over five years and I offered him £1,800 a month. And he sat there and he said, but Gillian, why would you give me £1,800 a month? You know, I'm getting that already. And I said, because oh, I didn't know that, that was completely coincidental. And I said, because it works for me. And I knew that that would get me 650 pounds a month profit. Now I didn't want just 650 pounds profit month, but I'd already worked out what I was gonna do with the property and I wasn't gonna spend any money on it, but it was all about a change of tenant type. And the change of tenant type I already knew would grow my revenue from 2,850, which is what it was when I took it over, to 4,000. Now, right. therefore, generating 1,700 pounds profit for me. So if I could start off by giving him what he would be really pleased with and know that I was going to clinch the deal, people get too greedy. This is the problem. And it, and it astounds me, slightly going off track, where people lose deals because somebody doesn't give them a 5,000 pound better discount. I'm like, 5,000 pounds in a bank is going to cost you diddly squat a month. Why are you losing deals over such silly amounts of money? So I don't want anybody to go away not happy. So he agreed to the deal, although, sorry, he changed it slightly. He said he didn't want five years. Could he have four years? So I said, not a problem at all. Now, I want you all to imagine the old fashioned weighing scales. When you put the flour in one side and the weights in the other, you want it to balance. Now to begin with, it's balanced, right? But he said he wanted it to be four years instead of five. So it's tipped a little bit. So I said, no problem at all, but we'll bring the price from 350 to 340. Now, if I'd gone in at the beginning saying, I'll offer you 340, but I'm not gonna give it to you till up to five years, he'd have laughed at me. So, you know, be careful what you offer at the beginning, but you can always negotiate 
one way or the other. Now, does it really make much difference to me? The 10 grand at the end of the five years on my mortgage would have been diddly squat, but it was about not allowing him to have complete control. So I always say to people, you do not always have to be in control, but don't be controlled. And if you remember that weighing scale, you're just tipping it one way and the other just to make it even so that no one person is going, you've got to change that, you've got to change that, and you've got to change that. So that's what we ended up with. We ended up with 340 in up to four years, giving him £1,800 a month. And it worked brilliantly, and I bought it. Um, I didn't have to put any deposit in. The, the, I don't believe that the agents were right saying three years later it was worth 800. I don't believe it would sold for that. But four years later, it was valued at 700. Now that's not bad when you're buying it for 340. Yeah, absolutely. So just just to uh, summarise the uh, the structure of the process, you you've got to firstly uh, have a understanding what it is. You've got to have a way of finding um, the opportunities and you've got to have the language uh, and communication skills to put a deal together that, that gets agreed. What, what are the, the steps after the deal are, are agreed? Okay, so first of all, I need to, if that's okay with you, Will, explain how an option deal is made up because at the moment all we know is that it's the option to purchase but not the obligation. And it's very simply made up of three, three points to start with. First of all, I want to explain that the whole option agreement is about negotiation from beginning to end. From beginning to end, it's about negotiation. So even these first three points will be negotiated. So the first one is what are you going to offer to buy the property for? What's the purchase price going to be in the event you purchase it? So I would always suggest people give at least the asking price unless it's massively undervalued, massively overvalued. Because if you're not gonna buy it for up to five years, let's give them a little bit more. And the joy of that is if someone comes along and it's been on the market for 10, um, two years because they've got it on the market for 420,000, but it's only worth 380. And the reason they've got it on the market for 420 is because it's over leveraged and they've got 410s worth of debt and they'd like to make 10 grand profit but that's why it's not selling. How cool would it be that we offer them the 420, knowing that we're gonna grow the value of that property far more than 40,000 pounds, but they end up with no debt, with it fully paid off and a bit of profit, yeah? So when we can offer more, it's so exciting to be able to do that. So number one is what are we gonna offer the purchase price to be? Number two is how long are we gonna ask this deal to run for as a maximum? And I need to emphasize that as a maximum. I'll explain why in a minute. And the third thing is, what are we going to give them each month as a rent? Now, that is basically an option. All of those things are negotiated. Now, what comes next is an option has to be that there are some legal requirements. Now, for an option to legally uh, work you have to exchange a pound and many of you may have heard the, the, the phrase to buy a house for a pound this is where it comes from now obviously this, this, this so there's a, a legal consideration there is you you have to exchange something and it, it generally it's a pound which is why everybody in the on the planet could do it you know if they understood it because everybody, you know, I say everyone's got a pound. We don't actually get charged that pound. The solicitors just give them a pound. But it has to be done. It's probably just paper-based. But it has to be done. 
Now that's number four. We've got number one, what are we gonna buy it for? Number two, how long it's gonna last? Number three, what are we gonna give them each month? Number four is only there if that pound is not a pound. And what I mean by that is there'll be some cases where someone will go, look, I love the idea of the option and I'm absolutely fine for that many years and you know, quite happy for you to pay me that amount a month, but I've got a tax bill to pay and it's 10 grand. So they'll say, instead of one pound, we need you to pay 10,000 pounds. Now, people often say, but Julie, you said it wouldn't cost anything. I said, well, of course, many won't, but many will. And you can walk away from them. But if you know you're going to make two, three or 4,000 pounds profit a month from that property, I urge people to think about whether or not they could find 10 grand. And I'm not talking about in their bank accounts or in their family bank accounts. I'm talking about potential investors who would love to give you 2,000 pounds and there could be five of them or 5,000 pounds and there could be two of them or 10,000 pounds and there could be one of them because they'll probably get a 1% return a month from you, which is 24 times what they're probably getting in the bank. Now you might say, I can't afford a 1% return a month. Well, you can on 100 quid on, sorry, on 10,000 pounds because it's 100 pound a month. And if you're gonna get two, three or 4,000 pound profit a month, do you think it's worth nabbing that deal, getting that deal, acquiring that property to borrow the 10 grand to, to just have to pay hundred pound a month to them. They're happy, you're giving them a great return. You're happy because now you're getting 2,900 pound a month instead of whatever it was meant to be to 3,000. Um, but the wonderful thing is you can pay it off really fast if you want. But what you have to remember there is if you're gonna borrow 10,000 pound a month, you've got to assume that at the end of the option, you're gonna walk away. If you don't walk away, it will come off the end price. But if you do walk away, you've lost that 10 grand, you can't get it back. So you need to know that the profits you've made far, far exceed that 10,000 pounds. Now, if you're making 2,000 pound profit a month over five years, that's 120 grand. Does it really matter if you only make 110? The point is, we always go into an option if, we're, if, we, if we are dealing in integrity with the intent to purchase. But life happens, so sometimes we don't. And there are four things that you can do with an option. One is you can walk away because it says you can. But if you do walk away, you have to wait till the end of the period that you've agreed. So the maximum time frame. If um, at the end of the contract or near the end, you don't you can't buy it, you don't want to sell it and you don't want to walk away, you have the option to try and extend it. But obviously you can only do that at the end of the option period, the maximum time frame. And with the agreement of the other side? With the agreement of the vendor. It very rarely yes. happens, to be honest, Will, because by the time the end of the period comes, generally it's gone up so much, they're more likely to say, no, thanks, I'll put it back on the market. The third thing is you can buy it. Now, obviously, if you're going to buy the deal, you can buy it any time you like up to the end of that maximum time frame. So you could sign the contracts and buy it the following week. It would be completely pointless because you may as well have bought it in the normal way but you might decide to buy it a year later or two years later or three years later or four years later but you can buy it whenever you like and the reason for that is because you're giving them the price that you've told them they're going to get so actually they'll probably be delighted unless it's cash flow that they want um, and the fourth thing you can do which is very exciting is if you don't buy it or you've decided you're going to live in New Zealand and you don't want to have any property in the UK decide you want to go home will you know, you, you don't want to buy it. You don't really want to walk away because it's gone up in value by 400,000 pounds. So that's a bit of a, a waste. 
and you don't want to extend it, you can do something called a sign the sale on, which means without owning it, you can, because it's all done through solicitors, you can either find a buyer or you can get an agent to find a buyer. So let's take the £420,000 property we were talking about earlier. Now it's worth 675 five years later because of the income that you've generated from it. Now, if you sell it, if, if somebody else buys it and you think, do you know what, I'm going to give them a discount. I'm going to make it 620,000. So you've got a 200,000 pound profit there. They're really happy because they've got a discount. The agent gets their commission from the buyer and you don't have to pay stamp duty because you never owned it. You don't have to pay capital gain. Sorry, you don't have to pay stamp duty because you never bought it. You don't have to pay capital gains because you never owned it. And on that 200,000 pound profit, you've got to pay a little bit of income tax. So it, if somebody doesn't want to buy it, but it's gone up in value, it makes so much sense to assign that sale on and have somebody else buy it. So it's really, really exciting. And, you know, a so lot you, of you, with each option, you have options. Absolutely. <laughs> and the way I look at it is an option. If I was to be teaching a room full of people, I would say to them, if I give you all a blank canvas, a painting canvas, and ask you to go and sketch or paint a picture, but don't give you a title, Will any two come back the same? Absolutely not. And with options, it's very rare. Sometimes you will on the very, you know, the sort of box standard options, but very rarely will you come back with two options the same. And this is what makes it so colourful. This is what makes it so exciting. This is what brings variety to it. And, you know, there's all sorts of varieties on a, on a theme. And you could have the same property identical two properties next door to each other and have completely different agreements. So do you know what we said the sim a simple option is what you're going to buy it for, how long it's going to last and what you're going to give them each month. And then we generally have the pound as the fourth. But beyond that, there could be all sorts of things. They might ask for a cut of the equity that you create at the point that you buy it at the end. They might want you know, to give them a pair of shoes every month or to finance a holiday for them once a year. You know, it's not very often, but the point is those are all negotiation points that come after. This is when the vendor goes, yeah, but I'd quite like this or I'd quite like that. Now, bearing in mind, the majority are motivated and they're, they're coming to you to help them get, them get out of the problem that they're in. People don't go and say, oh, well, actually I want a bit of equity at the end. Those that do that aren't generally motivated and you know they're able to be savvy and you know it's absolutely right that they ask for what they want it either works for you or it doesn't so, so just a uh, just a uh, final uh, summary about what you think the key elements uh, are around purchase lease options and uh, why someone should explore understanding them a bit better okay so I mean, let's just look at the place that we find ourselves in. So, you know, I'm sure everybody was aware of the mini budget that came down, out some weeks ago now that turned the financial market upside down to the point that, you know, they were talking potentially of mortgage rates going up to 7%. And actually, in several circumstances, they did. Um, and what I find is that I like to use the word we, I use that word a lot. And if you imagine a really fantastic, solid, woven mat, it's really hard to break that. And what we want to do is we want to, we're weaving what's going on in the world to work for us. And one of those ways is options. Because imagine landlords right now who've got portfolios. You know, they are suffering because 
interest rates have gone up and some of them will be affected, some won't. But if they're refinancing, it's hard work. They've got the added taxation problems and now cost of living going up massively. And there are so many that don't know what we know. And so therefore are desperate to get rid of their properties. But the key is, Will, who's going to buy them? Because right now, there are so many people fearful of buying. Yes, interest rates have come down a little bit. And, you know, we know the Bank of England rate went up again this week, last week, another half a percent. It doesn't mean interest rates will rise too, but some will have done, some won't have done. And so people are in this, 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 this time of uncertainty and, and enormous amounts of fear, enormous amounts of fear. So when people aren't buying, we can literally get in there help people with their problems, not everybody, because some will need their money out, help people with their problems, but also create a business. And right now it's it's about helping people know that, know that, and know then how to find them. But honestly, I've never said until uh, the cost of living went up, I'd never said now is the best time ever to be doing options, because actually it's a great time always. But right now, what I will say is there are so many options out there where you could go out there and help people and we're talking about you know 40,000 pounds houses up north if there's such a thing at the moment but you know 60 80,000 pounds and 2 million pound houses I'm looking at doing a deal at the moment for 2.7 million where I'm I'm looking at taking enormous pressure off the people that are running this this property because I know how to set it up where there will be no pressure where it will be passive. And this is the other thing, it's teaching people how to have passive income. I used to think that just meant quiet, but money coming in without having to work really hard for it. There are too many people out there that spout out words like financial freedom when they're not, passive when it's not, and they jump from a frying pan into a fire. It's all about the setup. But right now, I'm telling you, there are so many options to be had to create great businesses from for your children, for you, for your, you know, whether you're I'm talking to everyone out there, whether the elderly, everybody can be doing this and making money from it and helping people all at the same time. And it's needed. Agents are so much more willing now to listen. And if you explain it properly, because even, you know, the hardest agent for me to crack, crack the nut is Knight Frank. And I spoke to Knight Frank last year and they said, yes, they said literally half of our properties are falling out of bed. And for them to admit that is quite something. And, you know, they're all willing if it's explained properly. Too many people right now are being taught, go direct to vendor only. If you go direct to vendor only, that's lovely. It's great. And you don't have to explain it to an agent. But what happens is you are only getting generally one property. Occasionally, there'll be a portfolio. You go and explain it to the agents. You're helping the agents as well. And they're coming to you and they're going, Jilly, I think I've got an option for you. And that's happening to people I'm teaching constantly at the moment. You know, I've got people in my classes that, are, you know, have done two and a half million pounds worth of deals in a year because there's so many of them. And as long as we teach it right, as long as we make it simple, as long as we have integrity and empathy, there are deals out there to be had for everybody. And right now you need to to learn it really well so that you go out there with confidence, not with arrogance, but with confidence to help people, not to hinder them and to grow a business, not be a charity. And we can do all of that. By using purchasing systems. Well, well that's uh, that, that's fantastic. Uh, one final point uh, that I'd, I'd like you just to expand out on, um, where you've you've done a number of um, of larger than average deals. Yeah. Um, what what's drawn you that way? Well, it's a funny one. You know, I think we're all different, aren't we? And 
when I first got into property many years ago, uh, it, you know, as I said, I was gutting fish, earning, you know, pennies in a fish farm, um, uh, you know, to most people with no uh, possibilities or not much of a future in business. And my attitude was just very, very different. And I had a firm belief that that I would be um, successful and that there would be something that I could put my hand to that would help people all at the same time. And, you know, I was very blessed because I love property all my life and people are far more important than property. But I think in terms of the size of the deals, you know, I, I helped um, one of the big teachers about 10 years ago and I... I didn't like the morals. I didn't like the ethics because they were teaching people to start with really small properties and do this and do that and do the other. And I thought, why? Why are they teaching that when they're not great strategies and they're going to earn them 2p? And if their boiler goes, they're going to be spending the next five years to pay it back. So I started to think differently. And I thought, why, what's the harm in going for a big deal? So it's really bizarre. Sorry, it's a little bit of a long answer. Uh, a few years ago, I was doing my own um networking event and I had somebody quite famous come to it I won't mention names and they were doing the second talk and I did the first talk and I, I got the um, flip chart out and I put three stick men on a piece of paper and I showed people how to have no risk and I'm saying that out loud well no risk in big deals and it was all just because of the way I'd set it up and I used three stick men to show them and during their talk they said Jilly where did you learn that and I said well it's common sense isn't it and the reason, you know, reason I believe it was common sense is because I'd worked out how to do big deals with absolutely no risk because I had to, because I would have been hung, drawn and courted if I hadn't. So he said, I'm going to make millions from that in the next few months. And sure enough, <laughs> a few months later, he did explain it at one of the biggest property events in the country. But he did say I taught him and um, they still don't really understand how to do it. But there are ways of not having risk or mitigating risk if you set things up correctly. And so because I learned that or taught it to myself, and I think although I'm not very academic, I think where I've been, where I've managed in some difficult situations is common sense. And this common sense brought me to a place where I thought, well, if I do this, this and this, I've got no risk. So once I worked that out, I had no reason but to do the bigger deals. And why are bigger deals better? Because if you've got a 20 bed HMO instead of a four bed HMO and you put the rents up by 20 pounds, you're suddenly making a significant amount more profit. If you've got um, a 12 bed serviced accommodation unit instead of a one bedroom flat, which by the way, please guys be really careful in doing because of the new legislation. But if I've got that, I'm gonna probably bring in a lot closer to the 300,000 a year than I am, not profits, but revenue, than I am the 40,000. So bigger to me is better. As long as the setup is done properly, as long as you've got your bases covered, as long as you've done your due diligence about area and then followed it with risk analysis, why wouldn't we do it? So that's that's my, that's my where I come from. Fantastic. That, that could be uh, the topic of a, a uh, another podcast episode at some, some stage, but... Um, but once again, best way to get hold of you? Our best way to get hold of me is either email, Jilly, spelled G-I-L-L-I-E, at Jilly Barlow, as in Gary Barlow, dot com, um, or Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn. Um, so you can get hold of me in any of those ways. Um, I'm also quite happy to give my phone number out, if that's okay. 
Um, I'll say it quickly in, in case that, that's not what we normally do. 0787 So do text me. I'm on Clubhouse a lot, um, although I haven't been since Christmas, starting again next week. So join me on Clubhouse Free Learning and all my details are uh, there for you. Well, always a, uh, an education, much appreciated. And, and we'll get you on the next time. I'm Will Mallard. Uh, this is My Property World Podcast. Thanks again. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.